for SEN America. This is the SEN NBA podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the SEN NBA podcast. As always, I am your host, Luke Sakari, and joining me today, live from New York City in the United States of America, which is where he now resides, is Chris Tyler from SEN America. Hello, Christos. What's going on, buddy? It's live from New York. It's Saturday night. That's what I thought you were going to say, and it is Saturday night over here. It's Saturday night. Well, then that means it's Sunday afternoon here. So, Saturday night in New York, what happens? What, what happens on a Saturday night in New York? Uh, for me, not much. Just talking to you, pretty much. Either I'm going to be watching sport every Saturday night, or I'm going to be talking to you, or that's kind of about it. Maybe doing some homework if uh, if I need to, but that's pretty much it for me. I'm not going to really go out too much. I've just got too much to do, man. I'm too busy, especially once the season starts, and we're only a couple of days away. Once the season starts, I'm going to have, not going to have time to, to go out and enjoy uh, enjoy what Manhattan has to offer, which is fine with me because I'd much prefer staying home. And watching the NBA anyway. That's it. Maybe just too busy watching the Yankees blow, blow a lead to the Astros like they just did about an hour ago. That was a yeah. sensational bit of... I'm not sure if anyone's seen it. Sorry if there was a spoiler in there for anyone. Game two of the baseball, but that you was... You can't spoil on a podcast. If someone hasn't watched it by the time they listen to the podcast, <laughs> then shame on them. Every, no, no one's going to be waiting around that long for it. <laughs> well, to be it's fair, it's a basketball radio. podcast, not a baseball podcast. But let, let's digress because it is a basketball podcast. This is our Eastern Conference preview. We'll do the Western Conference. You'll, you'll be able to download that on iTunes as well. SCN America, scn.com.au, SCN America on Twitter, all that good stuff. This is the East. So we're going to go through team by team, have a look at quick team, a quick rundown, then we'll get to the end of the podcast, Chris, and we'll give our 1 to 15 standing predictions for each team, which is very hard to do in the East because it's not very good. But let's get started anyway. We'll get started. We're going to go alphabetical order. So Atlanta Hawks, Chris, this is a team obviously had that 60-win season uh, two seasons ago, 43 games last year. I don't think they're going to win that as that many this year. Major, major off-season changes for the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, so if we have a look at their ins and outs, I've brought in Miles Plumley, Marco Bellinelli, uh, Dwayne Dedman, John Collins, and Tyler Dorsey, and out goes Paul Millsap, Dwight Howard, Tim Hardaway Jr., Tabo Cephalosha, Chris Humphreys, and Jose Calderon, which means that three of their top four scorers yeah. from last season are gone with no obvious replacement coming in, except for maybe John Collins, who could probably contribute right away, but you don't really want to be relying on a rookie to provide you instant offense, especially when it's you know, not the number one pick in the draft. No. He so was good in the summer league. Be, he was good in the summer league. He was good. And he, he he's going to, you know, definitely cement his case to, to be a starter for the season. But he's going to probably be one of the only shining lights for this season for an Atlanta Hawks squad that's just bereft of talent at the moment. Yeah. I mean, you look at the start. For me, it always goes to start in point guard position. Dennis Schroeder, we have to see something from him this year. I mean, he's got confidence. He's brash. Some arrogance to him, which is fine. He's got to show he's more of a leader because this is his team now. I mean, you look at them, probably their projected five. You've got Schroeder, Baysmore at the two, Prince at the three, Ilya Sova, maybe Mike Muscola will be a starting center, Marco Bellinelli off the bench, DeAndre, DeAndre Bembry. It's a really, really, just like you said, not a lot of talent on this team, but Dennis Schroeder, just a tick under 18 points per game last year, six assists. Like I said, he's got talent, he's confident, but now he's a leader. This is his team now, and he's got to take the team. Well, he- that's the thing, though. I don't know if he is a leader. Yeah. He should start to become the leader of the team because, like you said, this is his team. But he's had some off-field indiscretions yeah. that kind of worry me. So I don't know if you want someone like that being the leader of the team. You probably want another couple of veterans thrown in there to kind of 
help set the culture of the team. But at the moment, even though he's probably not the leader that they need, it still is a relatively decent backcourt of, of Schroeder and Bazemore. They're the only two returning players to log at least 1,500 minutes mm. in Atlanta from last year. So the rest of the, the, the squad is going to be filled out with relatively inexperienced players, both to Buttonholzer's system and to the NBA in general. But, yeah, I can't see uh, a lot of success, a lot of wins in, in Atlanta this year. They've, they've reached the playoffs in each of the past 10 seasons, but I reckon that, uh, that, that that's about to get snapped, I think, that streak. Yeah, not many wins for the Hawks this year. A team that will have a lot of wins, and we all expect them to. I know you're excited about it, Chris. The Boston Celtics. Now, you talk about change. This is a team finished first last season in the East with 53 wins. It's not often, this is a very interesting situation, I see, with the Boston Celtics. Not often the team that finishes on top the season prior come back the next year with just four remaining players from that squad, but we say they've gotten better. So it's a very, very interesting offseason for the Boston Celtics. I mean, you can run through some of the names. We all know them by now, but Kyrie, Haywood, Bradley out, and a few other key rotational pieces out. Jay Crowder as well. You're our Boston man, Chris. I mean, is this team, can they win it? I mean, we've got to go straight to the point because they're built like they can. They they can. I don't think they will. I don't even think mm. they'll make the NBA Finals. I think Cleveland still yeah. have them. Well, that's a big question. Can they get past the We because Yeah, exactly. I, I'm a Celtics fan, so I'm just going to say we. I'm not going to pretend <laughs> that I'm not. I think we're still a year away. We're going to wait until LeBron leaves. If That seems to be uh, what's going to happen. Whether or not that does happen remains to be seen for sure, but that's certainly what all uh, indications are pointing to. But we're going to be a hell of a team to watch. Like you said, Curry Irving comes in, Gordon Haywood comes in, Jason Tatum comes in, who looks fantastic in both Summer League and in the preseason. Jalen Brown's got another year under his belt. We've got a lot of young rookies coming in who could provide a lot of spark for uh, for this team. Obviously, it hurts to have Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, and a couple of other guys leave as well. But you've still got to say that this team is just as good, if not better, than the team that we saw last year. Now, it may take some time for all these guys to gel because there are so many new players in this squad, but Brad Stevens will know the best way of making everyone uh, blend in together. And it seemed like, especially the, what, what we saw of them from the preseason, they just they love playing with each other. Yeah. They're a fun squad to watch. They, they move the ball really, really well. This is some of the best ball movement that I've seen in preseason for some time. So... I don't know how long it will take for them to gel, but from what we've seen, it shouldn't take too long. Brad Stevens might it might take him a couple of months to really solidify the starting five. We've seen that the last couple of years. He's still unsure of uh, about certain pieces, and we don't know who's going to start at the two, whether Hayward starts at the two or the three. And if he starts at the three, do they bring in uh, Smart or Jalen Brown to start at the two? Yeah. And then who's going to start at centre? Is it going to be Hayward? Is it going to be Horford at centre? Or is he going to start at the four and then we bring Aaron Baines in? So yeah. there's going to be a couple of things that Brad Stevens is going to try, but he'll probably try more in the first couple of months because similarly to the Cavs, and we'll get to them soon, you don't need to win it at the start. It's, it's, a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So you can kind of try things early and see how you go because we, regardless of if we have a slow first month or so, we're still, we still have the talent to finish top two. So we, we, we can kind of um, get over the hump if if we do have that slow start. Chatting about Kyrie Irving just quickly, quick, Chris. I, I look at this guy, I follow his career uh, closely as a Cleveland fan. I'm looking at him this offseason. I'm seeing how his persona is, what he's saying off the court, how he's looked in the preseason. 
It's almost like he's taken up a villain role. It looks like he's saying, I'm out. Not a villain. I'm not sure if that's the right word for it. But he's almost coming into his own saying, this is my team. I'm taking over. In a way that he couldn't really do with LeBron in Cleveland. Not, and that's not saying that he seems a lot more outgoing. I don't know. Yeah, not in a negative right way. Word, but he definitely yeah. seems a lot more outgoing and more comfortable to express who he is because yeah. a lot of the reason why we kind of think he left Cleveland in the first place was the fact that he wasn't able to be himself. He wasn't the guy. He wasn't mm. the. Uh, the face of the franchise now, he's the face of the Boston Celtics, and he seems to be relishing that role. Ever since he came to Boston, he just seems happy to be here. I don't know if... I haven't really followed his career as closely as you, but I I haven't seen him look this happy or excited about playing basketball in a long time, and that only bodes well for the Celtics. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen him in preseason. He's had some really nice moments, and it is preseason, so you take it for a grain of salt. But some of the moves he made in that Charlotte game and a couple of others, I thought, he just looks like... He's ready just to come into his own, like you said, in terms of a way that probably couldn't really do in Cleveland, restricted by LeBron and all that type of stuff. So we'll keep a close eye on Boston because, like I said, we all expect him to be in our top two. We'll get back to our predictions um, standings-wise at the end of the podcast. Let's move on to a team that's been closely linked to the Celtics for many reasons. That's draft picks. That's the Brooklyn Nets. Last in the East last year, they just won 20 games. I've got a feeling they might win a bit more this year, Chris. I mean, look at the D'Angelo Russell's come in. You know, I like that move. I reckon this is a guy that it's a new start for D'Angelo. You know, once they drafted Lonzo Bora in LA and a few other things happened there, he wanted to move on. I reckon this can be his team in a way. You know, Jeremy Lin had a solid season last year. Timothy Mozgov. You got Alan Crabb now on that team as well. They won't be as bad as they have been. They were, like, they were one of the quickest teams pace-wise last season. Best in the NBA for pace. So they can run. And they're going to run a little bit. And look, they won't win a lot of games. But I think they're going to be okay. I think they've finally got some light at the end of the tunnel. They've got some pieces that they can use moving forward. They're not going to be a basket case, I don't think, to book the Nets. No, I agree with you. I actually just finished writing an article that should be up on hashtag basketball in the next couple of days talking about the Brooklyn Nets. And there are finally actual legitimate reasons to, to go and watch them at Barclays Arena. And one of them, like you said, is D'Angelo Russell. They've got now a, an actually exciting backcourt. If you compare uh, Lynn and Russell together, that's mm. one of the most uh, exciting, I don't know if I'm going to say the best yet, but one of the most exciting uh, young backcourts in uh, the Eastern Conference. And obviously Lynn's not particularly young, he's 29, but D'Angelo Russell's only 22 and he's still yet to show his, his mm. best at all. He can become that superstar the Brooklyn Nets have been after for a long, long time. I don't know whether you'd put Brook Lopez into that category. He's been the face of that franchise for a long time and probably the best player that franchise has ever seen. But it was time to move on. It was time to bring in some youth. And D'Angelo Russell is that guy. And along with him, they brought in Jared Allen, the uh, the center out of um, Texas, who's going to be very exciting to watch. He's got massive, massive uh, wingspan, block shots. His athleticism is phenomenal. He's going to be another guy that... Brooklyn Nets fans are going to be excited to watch. Damari Carroll comes in. Alan Crabb comes in. Mozgov comes in. They're all going to be decent players. Hopefully, Damari Carroll can improve on his season last year uh, yeah. at the Rap- in the Raptors system. Uh, and out goes Randy Ford, Justin Hamilton, Brooke Lopez, KJ McDaniels, and Aaron Nicholson. So out of those guys, out of the out, you'd probably say that Brooke Lopez is the only guy that you probably would have wanted to keep around for another year. So from what I can tell from the Nets, it's still going to be... Uh, a year or so before they can be really excited. Yeah. They got one more year without their draft pick, but then after that, the, uh, the Boston Celtics trade error is gone, <laughs> and they can look well and truly ahead. So yeah. it's, it's 
there's definitely a lot of, at the end of the channel for, for the little goodness. You know, you look at someone like Damari Carroll and well, what production he brings on the court, we wait and see. But, you know, reunited with Kenny Atkinson, he was on staff when Carroll had his best season in Atlanta. And it's somebody who just brings that attitude to the Brooklyn Nets, that real dog attitude, just a bit of grunt to the locker room. And I wonder how much that'll help them moving forward, just to help that culture establish a real, a real not to say winning culture, he's not going to win a lot of games, but a positive environment for the young guys to grow in. So, I don't know, they're not going yeah, to win a lot of games. Yeah, Atkinson is another reason. Yeah, you and GM Sean Marks as well. They've got a great front office, yep. great uh, up-and-coming coach. There, there, is, there really is cause for optimism from, uh, from the Brooklyn Nets. All right, Charlotte Hornets is a team that fascinates me. They didn't make the playoffs last year. Some might have said that's a bit disappointing. They went 36-46. and 46. Come back with kind of the same team. Of course, Dwight Howard's a big in there, but... You know, he's an interesting one, Dwight. I've never really seen the game move past a player as quickly as it has for Dwight Howard. I mean, this is a guy that I think they said it on a broadcast. Um, it might have been when they played Boston in the preseason game. They said it on the broadcast in about two, or he, even he might have said it himself. There was a time in around 08, 09, he had basically the same, if not more, endorsements than LeBron. And look at last year, someone like Urson Ilyasova had more all-star votes than him. So it's really his just, and that's nothing against Urson Ilyasova, but I think we all understand the point there. A massive fall from grace. I guess, can he help this Charlotte team in any way, Chris? How can they implement him with Kemba Walker and Jeremy Lamb? Michael Kidd Gilchrist was still holding out hope for him on the offensive end. You know, Cody Zeller's probably one of the more underrated players in the league. That's another... Uh, how does this? That was, that was what I was going to say. How does this? The fact that affect Cody him had his breakout season last year. Cody, Cody, he had a breakout season last yeah. year, playing at the five, and then they bring in Dwight Howard, who they're obviously going to start because mm. they're paying him a lot of money, which means that he's going to start. I think Jordan has pretty much come out and said that he will start. He still sees something in Dwight Howard for whatever reason, but that's what's the strangest thing for me. Obviously, you want to bring in. I don't know if you want to call him still a talented player, but he's talent more talented than some other guys that you might have brought in. So. Yeah. Even though it's always good bringing in guys that are above average, it's strange that you would bring him in if it means if if, if you kind of have to um, sacrifice starting someone like Cody Zeller. who knows he might move down to the four or he might just come uh, dominate playing uh, off the bench and, and being in charge of that second unit. But it's a very strange move for me. But the one uh, inclusion that I'm looking forward to to see this season from the Charlotte Hornets is Malik Monk. You he's, bring up Malik Monk. He's looked good. That, he's looked well, good in preseason. Yeah, when, when we did our uh, draft yes. uh, Edition. preview yep. episode of the SCN America podcast, he was the player that I said, this is before the Celtics-Philadelphia draft. Philadelphia still had, uh, what pick was it? Pick three. Yep, pick correct. Three, yeah? Yep. yeah. And I said they should reach for Malik Monk. I thought Malik Monk was one of the best players in the league. He's someone that I think the 76ers could have used. And then he ended up falling to the Charlotte Hornets, which he himself wasn't very happy with. He thought he was going to uh, go to uh, New York. But in the end, they, of course, chose Franklin Lakina. Malik Monk's going to play with a bit of a, a chip on his shoulder this season. He's a great shooter. Hornets need uh, great shooters. So he's going to be he's gonna be fun to watch, man. Yeah, I mean, Kemba Walker, where does he get help? That's another main question. Does Jeremy Lamb step up? I mentioned Kid Gilchrist. Can he get over some of his shoulder injuries? Carter-Williams is there. Yeah, Michael Carter-Williams. Will Monk come in and really take over and score 15, 20 points a game? Who knows? But I think getting Kemba Walk is probably a bit of a priority there for the Charlotte Hornets. Hey, let's move on. Chicago Bulls. Now, this is a team 41 and 41 last season, but you talk about an off-season change. And the Chicago Bulls almost 
unidentifiable on the court this year compared to last. It's a very different looking team, Chris, that they're not going to win a lot of games, which has been unusual for the Bulls over the last decade. Yeah, so if you have a look at their ins and outs, Laurie Markinen comes in, uh, the Finnish kid out of Arizona. David Walker comes in, Quincy Pondexter, Diamond Stone, Zach Levine, and Chris Dunn. Mm. And then you get to the outs. Keep in mind, this is a team that just scraped into the playoffs and were lucky to do so. Yeah. Out goes Jimmy Butler, yeah. easily their best player, perennial all-star, one of the top 15, top 10 players in the league, you'd say. Yep. Rajon Rondo, who, if he wouldn't have got injured, you don't know if they would have been able to cause the upset in the first round against the Boston Celtics. It would have happened. Michael Carter-Williams, Isaiah Cannon, and D. Wade. And I'm also including Jordan Bell because they were stupid not to take him in the <laughs> second round. They ended up, they had the pick. They traded him to the Golden State Warriors for cash considerations. That's ridiculous yeah. to me because I watched a lot of uh, Jordan Bell in college and he would have been really he would have been a really good pickup for for the Bulls. So I'm classifying him as an out because yeah. that was just a bizarre move on their behalf. So that's a big turnaround for a team that wasn't particularly good last year. They are going to stink this year. They're probably the team that I'm least forward to looking at. I'm going to try to avoid Chicago Bulls games at all costs. <laughs> the question I have about the Bulls, Chris, you look at the roster, you look at the makeup, and I, first question I always ask is, when you're scouting against the team, You've got to find the most intimidating player. So who is the one guy that scares us on this team? If you take him out, who's the second most intimidating? That's how I kind of figure out who's going to finish on top. It's who's their second most intimidating player. I can't find the first most intimidating player on this team. So who is who is whose team is this? Is it Chris Dunn? Does he have a better season than last year? Zach Levine once he returns. You know, Nikola Meritich, Justin Holiday. Whose team is it? Who is the Chicago Bulls? Ian, and it's not just about being the toughest player. Who's their best player? Well, yeah, it's just another word. That's what I mean. Another word for best. Just, you know, who's going to scare you the most when you're scouting? Yeah. There there really isn't anyone. There's no one there. There's no one that can kind of take the team by the scruff of the neck in whatever whatever game you want to talk about and just say, all right, boys, jump on my back and I'm going to take you for, you know, 30, 35 points or whatever. There might be... There might be a single game that any Chicago Bulls scores more than 30 points this season. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. You know we're a team that will see a lot of 30-point scoring games and will win a lot of games, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Second in the conference last year, of course, lost in the NBA Finals. 51 wins in the regular season last year. They had a big off-season change again. You're seeing, we're seeing a lot of roster turnover at the top of the NBA at the moment. Cavs, of course. Out goes Irving. That's the big one. Isaiah Thomas comes in. Who knows when we're going to see him? They're hoping out for the start of the new year, but is that likely or unlikely? Who knows? D. Wade's another one. Now, the D. Wade one's interesting because that's really shuffled the dynamic of the starting lineup with Thomas out. We're expecting probably Rose and Wade to start. J.R. Smith has voiced his displeasure with that. He wants to start. We're going to play, see Kevin Love at the five, so they start James and potentially Crowder. This Tristan Thompson takes out some of their best rebounding in Tristan Thompson. There's a lot to figure out on this Cavs roster. There's already turmoil in the locker room. Oh, I, was, I love it. Not turmoil. I wouldn't say turmoil. It's turmoil. We'll take whatever we can get. It's going to be it's going to be a fascinating year. Like you said, so much turnaround. Jay Crowder comes in. Jose Calderon, Jeff Green, yeah. uh, Seti Osman, Derek Rose, D. Wade, D. Wade uh, Isaiah Thomas. I think it's going to be out until, what, January or February at this stage? I think right? they're still holding out hope for the start of the new year, but I would lean towards that's more unlikely than likely. So, I mean, who knows? You're basically going to play in this team without him. That's how I'm looking at it, because you just don't know how he's going yeah, to be when he comes exactly. back as well. Yeah. 
And then out goes Irving, Dante Jones, James Jones, Darren Williams, Derek Williams, Richard Jefferson, Kay Folder, and David Griffin. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, obviously, I don't know if this team is quite as talented as last year's team, especially at the point guard spot. But it's deeper. It's deeper. I'll say it's, it's, that was what I was yeah. going to say. It's not quite as talented, but it's definitely much deeper, which there was, uh, there was a problem with, with the depth of the team in, in the playoffs, especially in the finals. Yeah. Um, that's obviously been remedied fantastically. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle the regular season. We've seen in the last couple of seasons, last season especially, they don't really take the regular season too seriously, which is a fine way of doing it. You want, you want to be able to rest players mm. when you can. We've seen the fact that the NBA has introduced more uh, days off this yeah. year and and uh, less back to back games and that sort of stuff. I don't know whether that's going to change how many games guys like LeBron or D-Ray rest, or maybe they they say, all right, well, we've got an extra day to rest now. Well, we'll I, take, I think uh, take off the, the same amount of games, but we've just got extra time to recover. So I don't know how the the Cavs are going to play it. But the last couple of years, they haven't cared about the the, the top seed, and I don't think that's going to be the case this year. They do their best work. They save themselves for the playoffs, and I think that's going to happen again. Yeah, I agree. I think you have to remember that when we're watching the Cavs this season, they're going to have these ugly games where they they'll lose to an Indiana. They'll probably lose to a Chicago. Who knows? It might happen. And then there might be a bit of turmoil in the locker room or some public comments and LeBron's impending free agency. That's going to be a storyline throughout the entire campaign. You'd imagine Kevin Love's name will probably get caught up in trade rumors sometime during the year again. Derek Rose might get hurt. So there's going to be a lot of things that happen, I reckon, externally with this team. But you know what? That's happened the last two, three years as well, ever since LeBron came back. And like you said, they always find a way to overcome it. I'm more interested to see how... They line up starting-wise, how that all blends. Derek Rose has looked really good in the preseason. You can see that hints of explosiveness. I mean, he wasn't that bad last year. He averaged 18 points a game last year, so he wasn't horrible. We'll see how he goes. D. Wade, I would personally like to see Wade off the bench because I like JR in that starting spot. I think the, the, the value in having a playmaker off the bench can't be understated. But again, maybe they're going to look like they're going to go with Wade as a starter. So we're just going to see how that all plays out. Tristan Thompson off the bench. We'll see how that works. But look, at the end of the day, they got LeBron. And let's not be silly. He's going to play opening night. I'll be devastated if he doesn't play opening night with his ankle. But I find that I find that very unlikely. I find that very unlikely that he's not going to play opening night. Maybe he'll rest the second game. Who knows? But he won't be playing. He will be playing opening night. Let's all let's all put that to bed. Well, I hope they. I hope he does anyway. Detroit Pistons. Let's move on. They missed the playoffs last year. They won 37 games. They've had a bit of turnover as well, Christos, bringing in guys like Avery Bradley. More, mostly the same, though. Mostly the same for the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, so along with Avery Bradley, they also brought in Lexington Galloway. Luke Kennard, uh, the guard out of Duke, and Anthony Tolliver as well. Out goes Aaron Baines, Contavious Colwell-Polk, Michael Benajay, Darren Hilliard, Marcus Morris, and Bono Udry. They desperately, the, the thing that they needed to address the most in the offseason was shooting. They've yeah. done that with Luke Kennard, Avery Bradley, and even, I guess you can throw Anthony Tolliver in there as well. Their big man stocks definitely took a hit. Mm. So that probably means that someone like Andre Drummond needs to step up even more. Um, I don't know how I feel about this team. Last season, I think they underperformed. Two seasons ago, they looked really good in the playoffs as a really young team against the, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They got swept, obviously, but they, they looked to be a good team. And I think coming into last year, I tipped them to be the fifth seed in the East. So they had a very underwhelming season last year, but I think they can bounce back. Someone like Avery Bradley can certainly improve your defense. If if he's coming in for continuous Caldwell-Pope, you you get better off both offensively and defensively there. So I'm expecting the Pistons to to do 
better, much better than last season. I don't know if they're going to set the world on fire, but in an increasingly terrible Eastern Conference, yeah. I think they've gotten a little bit better. So I reckon they can sneak into the uh, the playoffs. I think they'll be around that 500 mark. Expect to see him in the playoffs. Look at someone like Reggie Jackson. He never really seemed healthy last year. He never seemed 100%. Some teammates were a bit unhappy when he came back, took minutes off Ish Smith, and you know he's more of a shooter than a passer. How, how does he blend in? You know, How does him and... Andre Drummond played together because it all starts with your point guard. I'm not completely so I'm not sure what your thoughts are on Reggie Jackson. I'm not completely sold on him just yet. Yeah, I think he had some injury concerns last year, didn't he? He, he had, did. He struggled with some sort of injury last year. Yeah, yeah, he had. A, he did have a lot of injury issues last year, but even yeah, just a lot of a lot of it will come down to health. So, uh, yeah. if, if he can manage to to stay on the court for the majority of the season, that's obviously going to help the Pistons a lot more than last year as well because. Again, they are a relatively uh, shallow squad, so you yeah. want to have your best players on the court at all times. Obviously, that goes without saying for most teams, but especially the case with teams that don't have depth, and, and that's the Detroit Pistons. But um, I think that if, if he's healthy, him and Drummond could have a, a fine year, and that should be enough talent-wise to, to make the playoffs in an otherwise terrible conference. <laughs> Another team, another playoff team over the last few years that has taken a significant talent hit on their roster is the Indiana Pacers. 42 wins last year, 7th in the Eastern Conference. They're another team, Chris. They're going to look different on the court with their jerseys as well. It's going to look at a completely different Indiana Pacers team. It's Miles Turner's team now. I'm not too sure you want to give him the reins this early because he's not surrounded by a lot of talent. That's true. So if you look at the ins and outs, E.K. Anikbogu comes in out of UCLA, Boyan Bogdanovich, Darren Collison, Corey Joseph, TJ Leaf, Victor Oladipo, Alex Poitras, Demontis Sabonis, and Edmund Sumner comes in. Out, of course, goes Paul George, Lavoy Allen, Aaron Brooks, Monte Ellis, CJ Miles, George Niang, Jeff Teague, and Kevin Serafin. Obviously, the loss of Paul George hurts his team, but I don't think it'll be enough to force them to bottom out and be in the, the, that bottom mm. five or bottom four uh, tier of the Eastern Conference. There's still a lot worse teams out there than in Indiana Pacers. Obviously, they didn't get as much back for Paul George as Indiana Pacers fans were probably expecting or hoping, but they yeah. still got back like something. They still got back um, Oladipo, which you'd say is a fine pickup. Like, he's he's gonna a, be key. A, a good player for them, you'd say. Um, I don't know if he's going to be the superstar that they need, but I think there's enough to work that work with there. If you've got him and Turner, yeah. there's still there's still something that you can play with. Both are relatively young. Both, I don't think, have hit their peaks yet, especially with Turner. I don't think Oladipo hit his peak either. They should be in contention for playoffs until like February, March. Mm. I don't think they're going to make it, but they've still got enough talent in the East to... Keep the uh, the hope alive for for at least an extra couple of months. I think Oladipo is the key, the key. He's teased a lot. Can he finally just just take not take over? I hate using that term because that he has a negative connotation. But can he just showcase his talents more consistently and effectively on the offensive end? I think because I'm I think he has to. You know he's he's a bit angry at the moment. Victor Oladipo, he's a bit mad. Maybe that gets the best out of him. Here's the key that I'm watching. Hey, the Miami Heat, this is a team that came from the clouds last year to surprise a lot of people. They finished 41-41, and 41, just missed the playoffs at the same record, same record as the Bulls, but they missed the playoffs. Don't think they'll be missing the playoffs this year because this team is going to be fun. White side, of course, him and Embiid have started a really fun Twitter war, Chris, which is just one of the more crazy off-season stories and a really weird off-season for the NBA. We could have done an hour podcast on the off-season because there were a lot of strange things that happened. 
But I'm excited for the Miami Heat. I really am. They're going to be a fun team to watch. Yeah, I agree. In comes Bam Adebayo, AJ Hammonds, Kelly Olynyk, Derek Walton, and Matt Williams. Out goes Luke Babbitt, Josh McRoberts, and Willie Reed. So you'd say on paper they've gotten a lot better. Kelly Olynyk and Bam Adebayo are going to be two fun players to, to insert into the rotation there. The Heat were one of the, the best teams post the All-Star break last season. Yeah, they, they, they were. They looked like they were going to make a late run to the, the, um, the playoffs. They missed out by... Uh, by, they actually finished with the same record. Same record. Ball, yeah, so same record. 41 and 41. But they look really good. The chemistry came together. If they can continue that chemistry from last year, and there's no reason why they shouldn't because the majority of their team comes back. If they can continue that form from last season, they're going to be a really good team. They brought in Kayla Linick, like I said, one of the best shooting big men yeah. in the entire league. I reckon there's something there for the Miami Heat, and they're going to be a really good team. There's something there with Dion Waiters as well. I've never seen a more confident guy in the world. He he, he just wants his team yeah, to be here. So I'm not sure if it's a positive or a negative. But I reckon I, something, an attitude I've like... I've never been overly uh, <laughs> overly in love with Dion Waiters in his game. A lot of people love him, and Dion Waiters loves himself. Um, but yeah, to, to me, I'm more excited about other pieces in this squad. There's no denying he's a good player, and he's going to be one of the key pieces in in making sure that they finish. You, you assume top six in the end. Yeah, and I think Whiteside. I mean, just I wonder what crazy stat lines he's got in store for us this year because this is a guy that's we all know his backstory and, and how he got into the NBA came out of nowhere, and he just continues to get better. Does he finally make an All Star team this year? I think he does because. He's an absolute talent. Hey, the Milwaukee Bucks, speaking of talent, Giannis Antetokounmpo has got a lot of talent. They finished 42-40 and 40 last year. They pro- oh, the, the Bucks are a tough one for mine. I expect them to win more games. I'm not too sure where their win total limit will, will max out to, but Giannis is the key for me. I mean, the more and more we see from him, if he can develop that jump shot, because there are so many times with Giannis where... He'll have the ball around around the three-point line area or just inside the three-point line, and the defense is giving him space to shoot, and he tries to attack, and it gets clustered because he hasn't got confidence in that outside jump shot yet. If he can develop that, for me, that's the only element of his game that he's missing. He develops that. I see no reason that he can't catapult himself into the MVP conversation. Yeah, exactly. I'm not even going to go into the ins and outs of this team because it's irrelevant because... Yeah. I just want to focus all of our time when we talk about the Bucks on Giannis because he's perhaps the most exciting player in the entire NBA and, yeah. and probably my favorite player of all time as well. If, if, <laughs> take away any Celtic, I of think all time. he's my number one guy. I, th- I think I, I'm, I may have to get his jersey. I, I don't buy jerseys that aren't <laughs> Boston Celtics jerseys. I may have to get an Antetokounmpo jersey. If he continues to improve the way that he's been improving every year since he's coming to the NBA... He's going to be unstoppable this year. We saw how dominant he was last year for the Bucks. He led their league in all five major categories. He's going to do that again, you'd say. Kevin Durant has come out and said that he could be the best NBA player we've ever seen. I don't disagree, to be honest with yeah. you. I came out on Twitter last week and said that he could go. He could be a top 10 player. I thought he could be a top 10 player of all time. KD says, best ever. Look, I wouldn't put it past him. He's, he's a freak, man. Like We, we saw how... Athletic and how how amazing he is yeah. in the playoffs last he's year. He's insane. That's, that's when it really occurred to me that this kid could be something really, really, really special. And it's pretty. The, how good the Bucks go essentially starts and ends with him. We know they've got a lot of other talented players. Chris Middleton, Jabari Parker, if he can never stay yeah. on the court. I was about. It all comes down to Giannis. 
It's about to bring those two names up. You know, Giannis is absolutely unbelievable. We can talk about him all day. But who's the second guy? And you'd think it's Middleton or Parker, but they just can't get on the court. You know, this is a team that's been doomed by injuries the last few years. And you just hope, you hope that they can get some type of consistency in, in their continuity of their lineup. I'm excited about Fawn Maker as well. He came on as a bit of a cult hero last year coming off the bench. That kid's got talent as well. He just has to grow. You know, he has to grow into his body and grow into his talent. Yeah, I think he will. But this is a, a team with incredible length. They yeah. extended that this offseason when they brought in DJ Wilson. They're going to be a fun team to watch. They're incredibly athletic. They've got two Australians on their roster. And also, by the way, speaking of Australians, when we were speaking about Charlotte, we didn't mention uh, Mango Matthew. Correct. He's uh, on a, a two-way contract, so he can spend a portion of the season with the Charlotte Hornets. So hopefully we can see him in that rotation as well. But back to the Bucks. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, whether Parker and Middleton can stay healthy. Parker, I'm not entirely confident about, but Middleton should play the majority of the season. I'd say he is their their second player. But look, I think with Antetokounmpo's um, improvement and Son's improvement, they're, they're going to be one of the best teams to watch the entire NBA, and they can pretty much lock them for a playoff berth. Speaking of one of the best teams... Giannis MVP as well. Giannis is going to win MVP. (laughs) We'll lock that in. Speaking of one of the best teams to watch in the NBA, the New York Knicks. I mean, you live there, Chris. (laughs) There's a bit of tongue-in-cheek in in what I'm saying here. They only won 31 games last year. The New York Knicks. Talking about a dramatic off-season. How many games are you just going to walk over the Madison Square Garden to watch, Chris? How many games? It depends if I get media accreditation or not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pretty much go to more Brooklyn games than I'm gonna go to Knicks games, which says a lot. That's saying something. When I live in Brooklyn, I'm much closer to Barclays Arena than I am okay. to Knicks, and I, I, I got media accreditation to Knicks game, to Nets games, and I don't for the Knicks. But even if it was on par, even if I lived just as close <laughs> to uh, MSG as I did to Barclays, and even if I had media accreditation to both, I would still probably avoid the Knicks. They, uh, they still, they obviously have Porzingis and his pretty fun to watch but apart from that I don't really know what you would get excited about if you have a look at the ins from last season you got Michael Beasley Damian Dotson Tim Hardaway Jr. who's a good player but doesn't really do too much for me Nigel Hayes Mm. Jared Jack Ines Cantor Doug McDermott Frank Nilakina and Raymond Sessions out of course goes Kamal Anthony Justin Holiday. Moe Endor Marshall Plumley, Chasson Randall Derek Rose and Sasha Vujicic so um, the only like, Ron Bar- decent player... <laughs> Ron Bark is the starting point guard. Ron Bark is the starting point guard. I wanted to mention that he's staying as well. I haven't mentioned any of the players that are staying on any of these rosters. Ron Bark is staying. He's my boy. If anyone who listens to the SCN America podcast know how much I love Ron Baker. But yeah, you, you, you're right. Now that Derek Rose is out and Frank Nelson isn't quite ready to uh, take over the helm, you'd say that it's my boy Ron Baker's time to shine. And, and I know you love him, but... They've given him a contract. They, they gave him a bizarre contract as well. It was very player-friendly, that contract. But you know, in, in my eyes, he deserves it. He, he can do no wrong. I know you love him, Chris, but that's a problem if he's a starting point guard. I mean, let's not mince words here. Oh, they've, got, they've got more problems <laughs> than just Ron Baker starting a point guard. Believe right. you me, that, that's, 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 not, that's not the worst of their issues. And a lot of them... Carmelo Anthony and Phil Jackson left town doesn't mean that that uh, all their worries are over. This is still going to be a, a deplorable basketball team. At least they're going to be entertaining in some way or another. Let's move on to a team that probably... <laughs> you say so. Let's, well, it depends what you define as entertaining. Um, let's move on to a team that probably won't be as entertaining in any way whatsoever. 
And it seems like, unfortunately, this team has had a sense of irrelevancy for a long time. I see Orlando Magic, Chris, and, you know, you, you look at the roster and, you know, you got Vucevic, he's excited. Aaron Gordon, where does he play? Can he, you know, develop? Where do you play Aaron Gordon? That's the question. They've got to find a spot for him. Alfred Payton, can he do something on the offensive end? Evan Fournier showed signs. Terrence Ross comes into the lineup. I just, there's something about the magic. There's no sense of urgency or anything with this team in any way whatsoever. Well, firstly, the word that I was going to mention, you used to introduce them, and that was irrelevant. Yeah. Sometimes I just forget that yeah. this team's even in the NBA. You yeah. look through lists and you're like, oh, shit, Orlando Magic is still there. I, I completely forgot that they even exist. They just, they don't take up any space in my basketball interest whatsoever. <laughs> so this this is going to be a team that, again, for the last few years, is just going to remain irrelevant, will be completely mediocre, won't be the worst team, but won't be any good whatsoever. They brought in... Aaron Afalo, Jonathan Isaac uh, out of Florida State, who, despite getting picked out, what was he, number six, I think, five or six? Mm. I didn't particularly like him. I didn't rate him as, as a top player. He's not going to be uh, that good, especially offensively. He's, he's fine defensively, but especially at the start, he's not going to do much for you on the offensive side. Wesley Iwondu comes in, Shelvin Mack, Jonathan Simmons, who actually is a decent addition from the San Antonio Spurs, and Maurice Spates. Out goes Jeff Green, Jody Meeks. And CJ Watson, this team has had the long, is in the midst of their longest playoff drought mm-hmm. in franchise history. There just really doesn't seem to be a way out for them. There's no one that I can be particularly excited about if I was an Orlando Magic fan. They've got a lot of young pieces that have some sort of potential, but there's no one that you look at and go, all right, we may be terrible at the moment, but this guy's going to lead us to the next stage of our evolution. He's the one that we can be excited about, like the Nets with D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. The Magic just don't seem to have anyone. Mario Hajon, yeah, I really want to see him just come into his own. You know, he had issues with getting actually on the court in terms of his minutes and how much he's played, but he hasn't lived up to his hype as a high draft pick. So I'll, I'll watch him, but like you said, it's, it's just not much there. We'll move on to our final three Eastern Conference teams. If there's not much in Orlando, there's a lot in these next three teams to make you want to watch. And I don't think any team, or maybe there's one out west, but we'll get to them in our other podcast. But talk about preseason hype. There's always a hype team, a sexy team in the offseason. For mine, in this conference, it's the Philadelphia 76ers, Chris, which sounds weird to say, but you talk about an excitement surrounding a, a young roster, and there's something about this team. I don't think they're going to win a lot. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, and we'll get into that later on, and there's reasons why I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but they're going to be fun to watch if they can stay healthy. Yeah, my God, though, the 76ers fans are, uh, are getting very, very excited. <laughs> I think it's a little bit too premature like you, <laughs> but they are going to be exciting to watch. They brought in Amir Johnson, Mark L. Fultz, James Michael McAdoo, JJ Redick, and I guess you can kind of throw in Ben Sims as well because he didn't play at He's all last recruit. year. Out yep. goes Gerald Henderson. Yeah, out goes Gerald Henderson, Sean Long, Alex Poitras, and Thiago Splitter. So on paper, they've gotten a lot better. This team is going to be very, very good very soon. But not quite yet. I think there's still a lot of question marks in terms of players being able to live up to the potential yeah. as well as players being able to stay healthy. Because if you think of someone like uh, Joel Embiid, who could potentially be the best player in the NBA, his injury concerns are just too... It, 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 they're too you can't ignore them because you, you, yeah. you can't bet on how many games he's going to play in a year. When you've got your best player... And you don't know how many games he's playing per season. That's a problem. When is because I don't know anyone who's got a sense of confidence about his injury status. Oh, you can't say you're confident that he's going to play seventy games in a year because you just don't know. 
Yeah, the, the thing that won't work in 76ers' favour, though, is even if he plays 40 or 50 games, they might be really, really good 40 or 50 games, and they might be that able could to be win enough. You know, yeah. more than half of them. So that could be enough. But there's still too many question marks for me to be completely excited about the 76ers. That culture as well has been so bad for so long that I just wanted to prove that they actually know how to win before... I, uh, I tipped them to make the playoffs. So like yeah. you, I don't think they can make it this year. But that's not to say that they're not going to be a fun team and that they're not going to be a good team in years to come. I'm just not quite ready to to say that they're over the hump just yet. And that's a question for mine. And young teams lose. It's all of Minnesota last year. They had a lot of high people who were tipping them for the playoffs. They lost games because they didn't know how to win in the clutch and they couldn't play defense. They're usually the two pillars for losses for young teams. I'll probably see a lot of that in Philadelphia this year. We haven't even really spoken about Ben Simmons. He's looked good in the preseason, Chris. He's going to be fun to watch. Probably the best Aussie talent slash prospect ever. I think that's safe to say in the NBA. No, Kyrie Evans got him. <laughs> I don't count Kyrie as a Australian. I'm sorry. He hasn't got an accent. He's not Australian. I can't count him as Australian. I don't buy into that stuff. Oh, Ben Simmons. I'll take Aaron Baines over Simmons. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Come on. You're right. No, he's, he's going to be a fun <laughs> Come player. On. Hopefully, again, he can stay healthy because he's another guy that's been re- not riddled with injuries but has had some sort of injury history. Thankfully, it's not a repeater injury like someone like Joel Embiid has. He's got the repeater injury with both the feet and the back. So that's 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 that's, that's what the concern is for uh, the 76ers. Not just that he's getting injured. It's a, it's a repeater injury, which is why when they put together that nice little... Um, Nice little payday for Joel Embiid. It was about 36 pages explaining what happens if he gets injured. and <laughs> A lot of the money, pretty much he only gets paid if he doesn't injure his foot or back. Essentially, that's what it, what it comes down to. It doesn't get paid as much as the contract says. But yeah, which is... I, still, look, I, I hope he stays healthy because... Like oh, we all do. We all do. guy that's the best Twitter follower ever. So <laughs> I love him. He is. Hey, let's move on to a team that there's going to be a lot of the same, which isn't necessarily a bad thing about the Toronto Raptors. Because they've been winning games. They won 51 last year, which had them equal second in the conference. They come back basically the same team. And honestly, I think they're going to be the same team. Yeah, I think you're right. They haven't made many changes at all. In comes OG Yananobi from Indiana, KJ McDaniels, Kennedy Meeks, CJ Miles, and Kyle Wilcher. Out goes Damari Carroll, Corey Joseph, Patrick Patterson, and PJ Tucker. The depth of this team, you'd say, has probably taken a hit. Yeah. And that could be the difference between finishing top three or four or not. But aside from aside from pretty much the two-star guards, I, I, I don't really love this team mm. all that much. I haven't really got much apart from those two to really hang their hat on. There's no doubt that the gap between them and the Celtics and yeah, Cavs it's pretty large. has gotten a lot bigger. Yeah. But so has the gap between them and yeah. pretty much the rest of the East as well. So even though they're further away from winning the East, probably more likely to finish top five, you'd say, because, last year. Because we know what this team is. They don't play off a lot of pace. Solid defensively. Their offense is built off Lowry and DeRozan, which sometimes they can get a bit too isolation heavy. For, the question for mine is, look at Lowry and DeRozan. Can they step up in the playoffs? You know, that's been probably the biggest knock on this team historically is guys like Lowry and DeRozan, they'll show so much in the regular season. But when you get to the crunch, they kind of shy away and not as efficient and effective. 
So for me, we know what they're going to be in the regular season. They're going to win around that 45, 50 game mark. They're going to beat some good teams. They'll probably lose to some bad teams. We know what they're going to be. What happens when, when the playoffs come around? That's the big question for mine. Yeah, and I, I will just say as well, they're going to get, hopefully, a lot greater production from Sergio Barker this year. He only yeah. played yeah. 23 games for him last year. So if you plug him into the starting lineup, you're obviously going to get better from that. And I think someone like Powell is going to get a lot better than he, than he was last year as well. So he's going to take a lot of Carroll's minutes as well as CJ Miles will take over Carroll's minutes as well. So they didn't get worse. I, I mentioned nah. their depth isn't as good. But, but they didn't get better. Be much worse. Like you said, it's going to be a very similar year that, uh, that the Raptors have had for the last couple of years. Yeah. And let's move on to our final team in the Eastern Conference, a team that a lot of people enjoyed watching last year. I definitely did. That's the Washington Wizards. They won 49 games last year. For me, I've got to start with John Wall. Talk about a guy coming into his own and just establishing himself in the competition last year. That was John Wall for mine. He was absolutely sensational. Oh, I'd love to get your thoughts on the Wizards, Chris. You watched him a lot of times because your team played him about 10 million times last year. <laughs> can this team get better than they were last year? I think they can just from just from natural development. I reckon they'll be better than last year. Firstly, not only did I see them play <laughs> 10,000 times, but we had the best rivalry <laughs> yes. with them as well. Out of anyone in the league, yes. the Celtics-Wizards rivalry was probably the most entertaining rivalry out of any of the yep. rivalries in the yep. NBA. And I look forward it, to that. It felt like it meant something. pieces have changed. Yeah, it felt like the players that? gave a crap about it. That's why. It meant something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They were, they were going hard at each other. But obviously, a lot of the pieces have changed since then. Caviar Linux gone from, uh, from the Celtics. Marcus Morris, uh, uh, sorry, there's just been there's just been a lot of changes. Marquee for Marcus for a second. Yeah. Don't hold me to that. But, but not a lot, been of... a lot of changes. Isaiah Thomas goes out. Avery Bradley goes out. Most of the guys that they had a beef with have moved on. But I still want to see something happen. John Moore's still there, so hopefully he can you know light a fire under his teammates when they're about to play the Celtics. But this probably we mentioned the the Raptors um, backcourt duo before. The Wizards backcourt duo is probably you'd say the best in the, in the East. And if you pair them with someone like Otto Porter, who had a great year last year as yep. well, this is a fun team to watch. I don't know if Otto Porter is going to um, continue to play, to have the same production as he did last year now that he's been paid. But look, they they kind of, they stayed the same. The entire league shifted around them. They didn't get much better, but they certainly didn't get worse. And as we keep mentioning, the East did get worse. So yeah. I, I, I expect them to be a lock for the top three this year. They finished fourth last year. They should be one of the best teams. They should they should finish top third, top three, barring injuries, of course. Yeah, and, and like you said, I mean, you mentioned there how the league almost moved around them. So that means they were they're going to have a lot of continuity, which isn't. I don't think that's a bad thing. You finished fourth last year. You won forty nine games. Your conference certainly didn't get any better. You didn't get any worse. You got another year to grow. Can Bradley Bill finally break into a? We saw he had a breakout year last year. Can he go another level to an all-star status? I reckon he can if he stays on the court. John Wall, we know, is one of the best players in the league at any position. So I've got I've got confidence for the Wizards. You know, that'll be good. So let's move on, Chris. Uh, we'll start with yours. I want to get yours first. This is our, our Eastern Conference standing predictions, 1 through 15. I'm not sure. You can, you can decide the system we go. We can go 1 to 15 or 15 to 1, but I'm going to let you start. So, yeah, let's 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 go fifteen to one. Fifteen to one. That'd be better. Okay. Fifteen to one. So uh, uh, coming last in the in the Eastern Conference, I'm relatively confident about this, and I think a lot of people have a similar uh, belief 
that I do, and that's the Chicago Bulls. I mentioned it when we spoke about them. They're just bereft of any sort of talent whatsoever. They're going to be tanking this year because, as, as, as a lot of teams are, by the way, they're going to be tanking. They're going to want one of those really highly coveted top five draft pick guys uh, in next year's draft. I just can't see them being fun at all to watch. They are pretty much a lock for that 15 spot. I've got the New York Knicks oh. at 14. Aside from, yeah, aside from Porzingis, <laughs> I just I, I don't see them. I don't, again, I guess it's Porzingis and, and uh, Tim Hardaway. They're only really two sole players. Oh, no, actually, Ron Baker. So they got three. They're, they're big three. The big three of Baker, Porzingis, and Hardaway isn't good enough to, to make them finish higher than 14th. They've got the Atlanta Hawks at 13th. Brooklyn Nets at 12th. So Nets have, uh, that's a successful season for the Nets. Yep. If you would tell a Nets fan that they're going to finish 12th this year, I think that, that, that they take it. So I think they're going to be all right. And then the Orlando Magic, the 11th seed. So those last five spots are really... That's obviously the, the, the worst tier in, in the Eastern Conference. You can pretty much flip any of those five teams around and yeah. I'll, you could convince me that that was going to be... Who loses um, the least games is what it's going to come down to. Who loses the least games? Like exactly. Who wins the most? Yep. Exactly. And then the next tier up, I've got uh, the Indiana Pacers as the 10th seed, the 76ers as the 9th seed. I wasn't quite ready to put them in the 8th seed, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did make it, but I'm not ready to put them in just yet. The Detroit Pistons as the 8th seed and the Charlotte Hornets as the 7th seed. I reckon... Again, they are a, a tier in its own. So Hornets, Pistons, 76ers, and Pacers. Yep. You can kind of flip those around any order that you want. It's going to be pretty tight for those last two spots in the playoffs. Then I've got the Heat as a six seed. I'm pretty confident that they're going to be a top six team. I don't think they're going to be as good as the Bucks just because I love Giannis as much. So I've got the Bucks as a five seed. And then the top four. So I've got Raptors at four, Wizards at three, Cavs at two and Celtics at one. So it's a relatively similar top four than we saw last year. I only switched around the Wizards and the Raptors. But um, I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if another team came in last year. But I'm not completely ruling it out because we didn't see the Wizards have this good of a year this time last year. And then they came in and they were one of the best teams in the league. So who knows? Like a team like the Bucks could finish top four. Someone else could surprise us. I'm not sure. But... Uh, that's that's what I have for the Eastern Conference. Well, this isn't going to be any entertaining because I've got the exact same playoff as you do. <laughs> I've got the exact oh, really? same the exact same top eight. So I've got I'll go from fifteen to one. I've got Chicago fifteen, Atlanta fourteen, New York thirteen, Brooklyn twelve, Orlando eleven. I got Philadelphia ten. I got Indiana nine. Then I got Charlotte eight, Detroit seven, Miami six, Milwaukee five, uh, Toronto four, Washington three, Cleveland two, and Boston one. So, <laughs> my God, we do. We're very similar. It's very, very similar, and we're only one away from each other. There's, <laughs> there's no pick that we're more than one standing away from each other. And I guess it That's shows that the, there is a bit of clarity in the in the tiers of the East. You know, we kind of have a. We already kind yeah. of, and of course, that'll change. There'll probably be a team or two that surprises us in a good or bad way. There always is. There'll be injuries. They'll play out. Um, I just I wonder if you've got the same logic as I do having Boston on top of Cleveland. Is that simply come down to the fact that Cleveland don't care about the regular season that much? LeBron will rest games. Boston probably have more of a point to prove. That's what I also comes down for me for mine for for that logic there having Boston one and Cleveland two. Yeah, pretty much. It's going to be the same case as last year. Yeah. They're going to try a few different things. They're not going to try as hard. You want to be able to save LeBron for the playoffs. You don't want to yeah. burn him out in the regular season. He's getting on in age. That's not to say that he's any less 
phenomenal than he was this time five years ago, but you just want to be able to preserve him a little bit more as each year goes by, whereas the Celtics, Kyrie Irving is going to have a chip on his shoulder. He wants to go out and prove what he's worth. Gordon Haywood wants to make uh, the All-Star team. He wants to be the first-team first All-NBA for something or other. Um, so I think a lot of these guys have a point to prove. So that's why I've got, uh, got Celtics uh, at number one. Now, I just will say before we finish off, I mentioned before that tier in between, from 11 to 15, the Magic, the Nets, the Hawks, the Knicks, and the Bulls. Yeah. I'd say all five of those teams are worse than any team in the West. That's how bad the Eastern Conference is. I'd say the, the Kings? The I could put, no, I'll put the, the Kings league. in there. Put the Kings in there. But don't um, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not confident about having the Kings worse than the Magic. Mm. Oh, it's not good. I mean, I'm trying to. Know. It's, it's off the top of my head. I'd probably say the Magic are just better because I don't think the Kings are no good. We'll get into that in our Western Conference preview in that episode. We'll chat a bit about more in depth with the Sacramento Kings. But I can, I, I can definitely see a logic there. I mean, you can argue that case, which really says where this Eastern Conference is at. You know, there's going to be a lot of irrelevant games on a Tuesday night between something like the the Brooklyn Nets or the Atlanta Hawks that just aren't going to get a lot of attention. Yeah, exactly. And it just the conference as a whole is just not deep whatsoever. It, it should be easy to make the playoffs this year. Pretty much those last two spots are just up for grabs for whoever wants them. If, if Is it possible that none of the teams win enough to make the playoffs and we just have a six-team <laughs> playoff? Maybe? Can the NBA allow that? <laughs> Whoever finishes seventh and eighth isn't going to deserve it. But and it's going to be a lot. It's going to be it's good news for the Celtics and Cavs at least. I wonder if the Celtics or Cavs would ever have a week, uh, a week off as opposed to sweeping someone like the Pistons or Hornets. You know, take away the the injury risk element of it and just have them sit out. They can have a bye because we all know how it's going to end up. Instead of having those those boutings in the first round of the playoffs. Maybe that brings back the case, do we need a short in that first round to a best of three and not a best of seven just to fly or, through the first? That's a whole different... Com- eliminate conferences all. Yeah. Like a- just, there's been a lot of talk, but I don't, I don't know if it'll, it'll work, but that's something that we could potentially see in years to come, the yeah. fact that we just uh, eliminate conference finals as a whole and just play it based completely on the top 16 records in, in the league, which, by the way... I can't wait until there's more than 30 teams in the league because I don't like the fact that more than 50% of teams yeah. in the league make the playoffs. If you have a look at the MLB playoffs that are going on at the moment, yep. eight teams make it. Apart, I guess you can say 10 because you've got two wild cards. Two wild card, yep. Out of 30. Same thing in the NFL. You have what? Third. You have eight teams in the NFL make it, including... No. Is, is it... I've gone blank here. Is it 12 or 10 that make the NFL, including the wild card? You got, you, oh, I, can't, I can't remember. Division winners plus your wild card, which I mean... I've only started against the NFL now that I'm over here. Yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't a massive NFL fan before. Well, this, it's but... your division winners and your wild card, so I'm pretty sure it's about 8 or, or 10. or I've, I've gone blank. Excuse the math. Someone will correct us on Twitter about that. But teams, at least. Yeah, you know, well, so. the fact of the matter is it's definitely not 50% of the league is, is what we're saying here. Yeah, so more than 50%. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I agree. And when you're talking about the Eastern Conference, it definitely gains a lot more merit, that argument. Chris, thanks for joining us as always. We'll be back in, uh, we'll be back soon. You'll be, once you listen to this, you'll also be able to download the Western Conference preview. We'll record that tomorrow. It'll be the same format. We'll go through team by team and take a look at our standings as well. As always, mate, thanks for joining us on the SCN NBA podcast. Where can we find you on Twitter and, and in all your other work? 
You can find me on Twitter at Christos Tyler. With the season only a couple of days away, I'm going to get incredibly busy just posting about mainly the Celtics and the Nets. I cover both of those teams for hashtag basketball. I do a Celtics podcast on the hashtag basketball network called hashtag Celtics. So make sure to for that. We're going to be doing a lot of hashtags there. We're going to be doing two podcasts per week. So make sure you stay tuned for that. It'll be at Christos Tyler. You can also find it at find us at hashtag basketball as well. So make sure uh, you follow all of our stuff throughout the season. It's going to be a damn good season. Like There's going to be a lot of storylines to look out for. And we haven't even spoken about the best of it so far. When we talk about the uh, the Western Conference, that's when all the juicy stuff is. That, that's that's where all the uh, <laughs> all the league pass teams are pretty much. All the teams we want to watch in the league pass, they're pretty much all in the West. So that, that's going to be the, uh, the pod to listen out for. And we cannot wait to record that one. Chris, as always, thanks for joining us. And we'll catch you again on the SEN NBA podcast.